this podcast brought to you by Measure My Tribe. Welcome, Emma. Hello, We're Melissa. We are. Today's topic's a doozy, though, isn't it? It is. But this is one that I hadn't even heard of until you introduced the concept to me. I mean, I, I was familiar with the first part of it, but the second part, never heard of before. So you were familiar with the helicopter parenting. Helicopter parenting, absolutely. Yes. So the parents that hover around. Mm. But you hadn't heard of this new one called the Hercules parent. Have we got a um, title? Well, we do. We do have a title. You do have a title because you're the master of titles. Well, this was a little bit of a competition one, though, wasn't it? It was a bit. You came up with one now. I came up with one. What was my one now? Flying by the seat of your pants. And then I just flew in from the (laughs) sidelines and came up with top mum. Forced her position as standing champion of of cheesy intro titles. Intro titles. <laughs> She's a maverick. Oh, I like it. Excellent, <laughs> fantastic, Brad. So maybe you explain to the listeners the difference. Right. So obviously, a helicopter parent is the parent that takes their child to the playground or wherever it is, and they constantly hover over the child and, for a huge part, let them take risks. Mm-hmm. You know, controlled risks, of course. You know, I'm going to let them swing from a branch that's 25 feet high up. But you, you know, a helicopter parent will always hover around the child and always catch them before they fall. You know, that 20 centimeters. The Hercules parent is one where I think I'm probably more Hercules parent than anything and that is that parent that conscious of letting a child have consequences for their actions so you're the parent that comes in and drops your child into the battlefield and then you go off and you circle in the background not necessarily hovering over them but way back and you're there for them in situations where they might need you and when you're called back in in the case that they need you then you come in and offer help and assistance so a helicopter parent is one that's there all the time the hercules parent is one that's waiting back in the background and they'll come in if called upon so um in terms of the uh helicopter parenting let's let's just jump into that side of things for a start what what's your view on the detrimental nature of helicopter parenting Look, I think, you know, given it's age appropriate, children have to learn consequences for their actions. Mm -hmm. But not only that, they also learn how things work. Mm. They also learn spatial awareness. They learn maths. They learn nature. They learn so much from just experimenting with how things work. They learn about gravity. Um, They learn about impact and you know when they jump down off you know off a slide and they see that big poof of sand that goes everywhere they learn that their impact has an action so they're learning science and maths and they're learning interaction with their friends and they're learning consequences whenever that sand goes in their eyes 
So they're learning so, so much whenever they're left to learn. And I think what you mentioned about calculated risks, that's a really important part in that, of course, we're not talking about neglecting our children, staying out of the situation when we should actually be parenting. This is about making sure that we're allowing children to take calculated risks. Exactly. Look, you know, a perfect example is a six-year-old on a swing. If your six-year-old is on a swing and they're stood up on the swing, swinging, fine. You're going to watch them and you're going to go, oh, there's a chance you could fall there. But you know what? I used to do that when I was six and I probably fell and I'm still okay. Then you look at your six-year-old on the swing, stood up swinging, and they start waving at you. One-handed, <laughs> and you think, this is going. okay, you're going to wobble and you're going to fall. So that's then where I think parents either go, "Hey, you're going to fall, put your hand back on that swing," or do they ignore that and say, "Well, you've you, know, you can learn from the consequences of you know of going stood up one-handed." on a swing so it's about and then there, of course there's the parent that will go rushing in and put the child's hand back on the swing and tell them to sit down and you know stop being silly a swings for your bum not for your not for your feet mm. so I think that sometimes we're a bit too quick to to rush in and correct the action and and we can understand I mean look, as parents ourselves it can be quite distressing to see your, your children having to experience the bumps and bruises and the skin and grazed knees but at the same time should we really be protecting them from all those outcomes look when I think of the shit that I used to get up to growing up I, I remember in particular after school we'd rush in drop our bags and we'd run over the field um or three fields behind the house into a big barn full of hay and I'm talking big heavy bales of hay and we used to climb up on top of these bales of hay and then make a hole down through the middle and jump down the hole and it would have been about 10 feet high and we would jump down this hole get to the bottom and then crawl out through a space that we managed to create and climb up and do the same thing again over and over I reckon if a child was to do that now and a parent seen it or an adult seen it they would shit themselves because you'd automatically be thinking in that parenting headspace if one of those bales of hay lands on top of that child you know, that could be serious head injury or neck injuries or back injuries. And then, of course, we think about the liabilities for the farmer. If the farmer comes in and sees you playing with his hay bales, he's going to say, actually, you know, if you hurt yourself there, I'm going to be taken to you know, the cleaners. So so we've become really, really sensitive. Super sensitive. I guess one of the things I'd also um, let people know is it's not as though the world has become a much more dangerous place. It's just that we hear so much more about the the near misses or the the actual you know the hits mm -hmm. than ever before we've got social media we've got very widespread access to to news uh, and so the reporting has increased 
vastly, but the actual number of incidents has not increased. No, it's just now, like you said, we've got the ability to spread one story much further. So we're exposed to all of these stories from all over the world, not just, oh, did you hear what happened, Fred, down the road? You know, you don't get that anymore. You get that and everything else going on in the world so I think we have become super super sensitive to it and that is one of I think for for me I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we have become a society of helicopter parents So, Melissa, today's podcast is brought to us by Measure My Tribe. Measure My Tribe? So, who are they? Measure My Tribe are a family-owned business that specialize in custom-made family growth charts, hand-cut baby rulers, and a whole range of home decor hangers and signage. Can you tell me a bit more? Uh, They're amazing. These things are handcrafted. You know, like the growth rulers, like growth charts and stuff like that? But it's all handcrafted and specifically made for your family. Family. They're absolutely amazing. They're based in the wheat belt, but they ship all their stuff throughout Australia. I think I've actually seen some of this at your house, haven't I? You certainly <laughs> have. They're great. The one they made for me was the stockings for Christmas. Uh, the stockings hanger. It was amazing. So to find Measure My Tribe, go onto Facebook and just type in Measure My Tribe in your search bar or go into MeasureMyTribe.com. What can we do, uh, Melissa, to, to help combat that helicopter parent within us? Look, I, I think it's really important to recognise that there's so much for children to be learning from their near misses and, and from the, the times that they do have accidents. And we shouldn't be fearful of failure. We shouldn't be fearful of kids hurting themselves and really recognising it's all part of the experience. Mm. So climbers, why do climbers climb? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, is it is it nature or nurture? Was there was there mum and dad arborists in a past life? <laughs> you know, but you often see. Yeah, I see it in my work from very young ages. These kids scaling cots. And, you know, I hold myself back, but I feel like send to parents, you're in for a shit ride with this boy. Um, and quite often, though, it scares you're in for a shit ride because if they're scaling a cot at 12 months old, they're going to be up every single tree. How do you get them down from a tree <laughs> when they're 10 feet high? That's kind of, you know, I'm not a helicopter parent, but there's a certain limit that they go to and then you have to intervene. Where do you draw the line? Oh, look, I, I think we, we have to make sure that we're using our judgment in terms of what the outcomes are going to be. So, of course, if, if you've got a child who's scaling the roof, that's that's something we really need to be worried about. They could very well do themselves a serious injury. However, um, if they're at the playground, uh, if, if they're testing the boundaries in terms of their balancing, if they're up hay, hay bales, I mean, 
those are things that we we generally all survived and it was actually a really informative part of our childhood mm, it was definitely. something that we really enjoyed so I, I think that we need to to recognize that uh fractured arms they might be the bumps and bruises and, and the natural outcomes mm. of doing what kids should be doing mm. uh, got a friend whose son has broken his arm twice on a trampoline. Mm-hmm. Trampolines are notorious for, for bone breakages. They are. But do we get rid of the trampolines no. or do we... Uh, well, no, we put a safety net around <laughs> <the> <laughs> But he's broken his arm twice on a trampoline, yet she refuses to get one with a safety net. Mm. Is that... Is that neglectful or is that her just willing to accept the risk? No, look, I I think that comes back to the idea um, that I might have talked about in a couple of podcasts before that if we don't have boundaries around trampolines, for instance, then kids will be more likely to bounce in the centre of the trampoline. If we put these barriers around the trampoline, then they're going to use every single space of it. We We all grew up with trampolines without those safety nets and we survived okay. We probably learned through experience that we have to be reasonably careful when we're on trampolines. And so we learned through those experiences what would actually keep us safe. Nowadays, if you were to take that safety net off from children who've actually been exposed to nothing but the safety nets, then they're probably going to engage in some pretty risky behaviours. Yeah, definitely. I know in my house... My 13-year-old non-risk taker will get into the trampoline and he'll zip it shut and he'll put the safety clip in as well just to make sure that, like, super sure. And then he'll get in and he'll be bouncing off the sides. And, you know, I'm thinking if you were ever on a trampoline without the net, you'd be a goner. Like, he wouldn't know how to handle the situation but then an older man that I spoke to he's got a daughter a little bit younger than me he was saying oh back in my day she used to climb up the trees and she had a tree house he reckons it was about 20 foot up this great big tree and he said she loved it and she would climb up there and she built she built this tree house herself she would bring her own planks of wood and her hammer and nails and he let her create this treehouse herself, 20 feet up in a tree. I, I think she might have been about eight or nine years old. Too far, even for me, I reckon. Like, you know, five feet up maybe, you can survive that. Yeah, but, things have changed a lot, haven't they, in terms of our uh, being conscientious. What detrimental effects would it have, if any, what, what are the consequences? I suppose that's the question I'm more asking. What's the consequences of not le- letting them learn from their own actions? Well, they, they, exactly that. They don't get a chance to have the opportunities to learn. They don't get a chance to test out what they're actually capable of, what they can deal with, what they might need to improve upon. Uh, and as a result, we really limit their development. Does that have a flow-on effect to their adult life and their careers and all of that? Generally, when we see anxious kids, we see anxious parents. That's generally speaking. It's not always the case. Uh, so we can role model through our behaviours to, to children what they should actually fear and 
what they shouldn't fear. Mm. So if we're really highly apprehensive about certain things, then kids will generally pick up on that. They look to their parents to to understand what's something they should fear uh, or be afraid of uh, or avoid, and then they often pick up on that as well. Mm, Absolutely. Coming a little bit back to the investigating area, I would say, is I read research that children that are willing to investigate and when then told not to investigate, then they're less likely to investigate in the future. Now, this research that I read in specific was about children wanting to touch something to investigate what that is. And if the parent smacks their hand um, and gives them that fright as if to say, don't touch that, that child is less likely to investigate, if that happens repeatedly, of course, is less likely to go on to be a more investigative, is that how you say it, type person than ones that have been, I suppose, um, coached through the touching process, you know. And, And that makes a lot of sense. Children, as they're learning, they look to people that they are attached with to give them guidance on what they um, should be fearing in the environment, how they should be viewing things in the environment. So if you've got, take that to the extent of looking at a helicopter parent who's very fearful of a child stepping outside of a particular zone of comfort, then they're going to be taking on board that information that the parent gives out, whether it's in terms of their body language or even what they verbally say, and they're going to use that information to help them assess how they should work within that environment. Mm. So a takeaway from today, we need to minimise risk but within reason. So we need to look at is it going to be uh, a significant injury that's going to result from that situation. If it's not, then we should probably allow kids the opportunity to try things out to learn from those mm-hmm. mistakes. I think mine would be who who do you want to own the anxiety? Do you want to keep it for yourself or do you want the child to own that anxiety too? And a perfect example of this would be my mother-in-law, one of the most beautiful women you'll ever meet. She's so gorgeous, is terrified of thunder and lightning, absolutely petrified. And my husband had no idea till he was a fully grown adult that his mum was terrified of thunder and lightning. In fact, she would say, oh, listen to that thunder. Isn't it lovely? Did you see that big flash? And she would actually talk about it in enthusiastically whereas inside she was shitting herself yeah but it also indicates that she's probably appropriately measured the risks there it might be something she's fearful of but really if we look at the likelihood of being struck Mm. by lightning then they're really very low yeah exactly and we should respond to them in accordance with how likely they are to happen yeah but they must be very likely because i see them on facebook um, yes. <laughs> and I guess to, to recognise that if, if children know that they aren't going to get caught by a safety net or a parent, then the chances are they are going to be a little bit more careful in terms of how they move through areas as well. It's huge life lessons, isn't mm. it? You know, when you know what's not safe, you just got to take a little bit more more caution. Absolutely. We, we do that and work every day, don't we? Mm-hmm. Helicopter versus Hercules. Um, I think it's safe to say that we're both more Hercules. 
Absolutely. I, I'd very much like to think I am anyway. That was a kind of lighthearted one for today. We've we've done Same a few thing. deep ones. We <laughs> really do. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. And, and thank you for listening. We'll speak again soon, Em. Bye. Cheers. Where can people find us? They can find us at www.thisbloomingchild.com.au and Facebook, This Blooming Child. Not to forget on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast brought to you by Measure My Tribe. <laughs>